Hi, Turntables listeners. This episode contains references to drug abuse as well as some gory things that happen. So if either of those things are an issue for you, maybe check our catalog for a different episode. Thank you, and here we go. Oh, wow, this person in Germany is also sad. Oh, this person (laughs) in Australia is also sad. Everybody, it's turntables again. You know what you got yourself into by now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, <laughs> I'm Stitch. I'm here with my co-host Kevin and our special guest Destiny. Hello. Welcome to turntables. I, I couldn't be more glad to be here. Awesome. Here to talk with us about the 2012 release Transcendental Youth by the Mountain Goats. The very same. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. But that that's the not really <laughs> relating to anything. <laughs> How long have y'all been familiar with the Mountain Goats? I have. This was the first album I heard of theirs back in 2016 when I jumped on the Spotify game. This appeared in my first ever Discover Weekly. Mm. I forget which song specifically, but I was like, "Oh, this is cool. I like this," and I just gave the whole album a listen and I dug it. And this is kind of my first time revisiting it since. So I am. Not dissimilar from a lot of Mountain Goats fans is that in that I was introduced to the band via John Green um, oh, and watching yeah. Vlogbrothers in like early yeah. 2010s because he is famously a huge Mountain Goats fan. His first favorite band is the Mountain Goats. His second favorite band is also the Mountain Goats. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, so I was introduced to the band um, right about the end of my freshman year of high school. So that would have been summer 2012. Um, though this record, I probably didn't hear for the first time until college. There were a few more records that were that I listened to more in high school. This came later, even though it was released the same year I learned about the band. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. In my case, uh, probably also since about, maybe a little later than you in 2010, or both of you, I should say, um, probably like late 2010s. um, This record, Sunset Tree and Tallahassee, are the three that I'm most familiar with of their discography. Gotcha. Um, But they they have over 20 records at this point, I think. Yes. It's quite a... A verbose one to tackle if you want to go all the way through, which I might do someday. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Mountain Goats have been a band since the early 90s, so yeah. we have 30 years of discography to talk all about. Maybe not tonight, though. Um, right. And of their over 20 albums, not to mention countless EPs from especially like the early lo-fi years, this is their 14th studio album. So they are, you know, well yeah. into their stride. Um, this is a moment where the band is a three-piece, primarily. There are some others who join us on the tracks, but primarily it's John Darniel, the lead singer, um, songwriter, guitar and keys, um, their bassist, Peter Hughes, and their drummer, uh, John Worcester. Uh, this is bef- shortly before Matt Douglas joins in their now four-piece. So this is shortly before we add wins as a staple regular okay. part of the band if you didn't know destiny is our resident uh, expert on the mountain goats That's uh, right. and we're very <laughs> we're very lucky to to know them it's it's good to have um 
that that expert opinion since uh, I'm I'm definitely a novice yeah. uh, of, of the goats. <laughs> Same. But I also think the three of us will pair well because again, I I kind of have the the John Green approach to talking about music where I in my notes that are prepared, I have stories about my own life to tell tell you about these songs. Uh, I have a lot of history and background where I think you two um, your specialty is more listening into, you know, the, the sonic pieces that fit it together. What are we hearing? Um, some, some of the technique, the analysis there. So I'm hopeful yeah. that the three of us will have a very nice conversation this evening. It's been pleasant so far. Do we want to dive into any tracks? Any tracks in specific? We don't have to go in order or anything. We can, if you want. Um, but we keep things casual. I mean, my notes are in order, but that doesn't... <laughs> Let's go in order, at least to start with, and then if we have any organic branching points. Amy, otherwise known as Spent Gladiator 1. So, and you'll hear me say this over and over about this, but uh, one aspect of this album that I really like is that you get a lot of tastes of patterns that are true throughout the discography, um, different, both in theme and sonically and also just little tricks that JD, um, because there are two Johns in the band, uh, John Darniel, the lead singer, um, tends to go by JD just to keep it a little less confusing. Um, but one thing that he frequently has done in his song naming, song writing, is that he will have multiple tracks with the same name, just numbered. Mm. Um, so we get the splint, Spent Gladiator 1 on this first track. Um, it is rare that A, that you get all of the ones in order. So for example, on another album, there is a song called Heel Turn 2, but Heel Turn 1 was never released. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, but so not only do we get them in order, but we get them both on the same album. We get Amy, AKA Spent Gladiator 1, and then we get Spent Thank Gladiator 2 near the end of the album. Um, so that's, so while we see the numbers a lot, um, it's a little bit unusual that we're actually gonna get them both in order. This, this song, I, I would love to hear your all's impressions of it as well, but if I were to describe it in four words, it would be no thoughts, just hype. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. <laughs> I feel like I have not heard this one live, um, but I feel like it would be a very fun one to yeah. hear live. My biggest note, and I'm going to skip us ahead probably, because I, I think... It's interesting to hear that about the numbering of the songs because to me this and the other Spent Gladiator are so connected on this record. Um, both in name, but thematically. Definitely. Because this first one is, it's so youthful and energetic, like you said. Um, Do every stupid thing that makes you feel alive is you know a lyric that stands out to me. Then the repeating of Just Stay Alive means something way different in both this and the second spent gladiator song the first one is more stay alive as in like live life and the second is more stay alive like survive yeah the this first track is more triumphant whereas the other one is not it yes is, i am almost staying alive alive out of spite and grit later on this yes. one is more hopeful i think so if part one is no thoughts just vibes the second one is must survive please help yeah <laughs> <laughs> no vibes just thoughts no vibes just thoughts <laughs> i do think it's a great opener the, the strumming of the acoustic guitar just sets the groove up really quickly and this is a very um 
lyrically to the point but also like there's a lot that you can grab onto into the words like john's lyrical style is like very descriptive very like very much so yeah i i think of him as a writer who started doing music rather than a musician who started writing Mm -hmm. um and i i feel like he would be okay with me saying not that i know him um but i, I feel i feel yet <laughs> that's our attitude here it's like... <laughs> at time of recording i do not know him personally though he did retweet one of my tweets a couple weeks ago so Ooh, hey nice about Damn. how Bandcamp has playlists now oh yeah <laughs> i love just spending a bunch of hours on Bandcamp and finding the darndest rabbit holes of like people halfway across the earth doing like random black metal or like some like weird gong piece or something yeah that's cool usually what i find is like oh wow this person in germany is also sad oh this person in australia is also sad (laughs) and so much of the artistic output of folks leans towards the tragedies something about being an artist i guess but and we'll certainly get there on this record, too. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of tragedies, second track. Yeah, that was a great uh, segue. Lakeside View Apartment Suite. For me, one of the most kind of striking moments on the whole album is the transition from the first to second track. We have yeah. this, you know, pumped up, percussive opener, and then we get a single minor chord on piano to start the second track. It, it is like all of the air has been sucked out of the room. Um... This and this song also just does not disguise what it is about. It is about people who are struggling with drug addiction. Mm. Um, this whole album is kind of focused on different forms of outcasts and mm-hmm. um, people who are are struggling, who are on the outskirts of society. And again, this is this is a category that's going to come back to. This is not the only track um, that deals with that topic. I've I've looked at this album very narratively driven. And it kind of has these waves of rebellion. And this is like the first like low, the like shivering on the kitchen floor kind of imagery. I, I do love when an album has two very contrasting songs like this to start out with. I can't think of another example off the top of my head. I'll throw out um, Taxman into Eleanor Rigby is quite a vibe oh, yeah, shift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was my go-to example, but it just kind of happened. Got Beatles on the brain, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the lyrics on this one are very descriptive. I wanted to highlight the, uh, I guess it's the second uh, second verse, mentioning the the postman and the, the army surplus jacket, uh, merged transformed in a million years from days like these, and even just like the... Um, the the main chorus like it's it's a, it's a few chords it's very it's like in the mid range of John's voice like baritone and it's almost like a a really sad up tempo lullaby and talking about textures i think there's a in the last verse there's this kind of like bingo hall organ or something that kind of i don't know it it's like not like it doesn't sound bad but it's like kind of like disheartening organ (laughs) almost (laughs) like the timbre of it is just so like man this is an organ that has seen some shit (laughs) played by someone and for someone who has seen some shit (laughs) music by people who have seen some shit for listeners who have seen some shit (laughs) and then you have another upbeat track right afterwards with cry for judas with the, the horns blaring and everything yeah so I will 
be the first to admit that my my sort of listening practice overall for a long time was was not listening to to albums start to finish. Mm-hmm. I was very much a like put stuff on my Spotify playlist and then it it comes up. So and I, I was also one who my my playlists were very a period in time. Like I had one playlist that I would listen to for for a month mm-hmm. or months and then would move on to a new playlist. So because of that practice, now I have I have since kind of I stopped using Spotify, switched mostly to Bandcamp, listen in other places for people who aren't on Bandcamp. Um, that that practice has changed for me in the last couple of years where I do listen to albums front to back more. I also just like very recently got my first car and it still has a CD player because it is new to me, yeah. but it is not new. Um, <laughs> there is nothing wrong with that. I am so yeah. grateful for this vehicle. Yeah. Um, so I've been listening to CDs a lot more. Uh, but, but anyway, so because of that previous listening practice, this song for me is very associated with summer of 2019. It was right after I finished college. I moved to Madison, Wisconsin. It was right before I started grad school. Um, so it, it kind of came in my life at a kind of time where even though I was unsure of everything, I did feel very powerful. I just moved to a state where I didn't know anybody and, you know, so far, so good. I hadn't actually started grad school, so I wasn't, you know, horribly depressed right. yet. That was to come. That was later. <laughs> that was me in 2018. New city, new grad school. Like, oh, man. I can picture myself back, like, walking around in my neighborhood on the east side of Madison, um, which is just a wonderful city, and I miss living there. I don't miss grad school, but I miss living in Madison. It's mm-hmm. such a cool town. But I, I picture myself there in the not-too-hot summer um, they talk about Madison as being like the Portland, Oregon of the Midwest, and this uh-huh. album is meant to take place mostly in the Pacific Northwest, more gotcha. so okay. a Washington State, but still, yeah. similar vibes, I feel. <clears throat> anyway, I like this track. <laughs> <laughs> we do that a lot here. <laughs> yeah, this was a favorite of mine. It's got such a like easy jam to lock into to start off with, and the bass tone is really... It's like blocky, but like blocky in a way that like totally works and fits. And I don't know how to describe it other than other than that. Like it's I don't know. It's it's very to taste, and it's and it works really well in the texture. One of many examples of that tight horn line. One of my favorite lyrics of all time is "Speed up to the precipice and then slam on the brakes." Some people crash two or three times and then learn from their mistakes. Is like, wow, that's a good stand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because like. I've been the ones uh, slamming on the brakes of the precipice and the one learning from their mistakes on said precipice uh, in the past. <laughs> We're all just slamming our brakes at our precipice. <laughs> and also, listen, if you learn or gain nothing else from this episode, you'll know that the plural of precipice <laughs> is <laughs> precipice. I think we could call this an educational podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Also state that the the main chorus like that long black night yeah morning frost it, it's just it it works it's 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 really catchy and I dig it all of these choruses and like vocal lines are really easy to latch onto I think that's really good especially when you have lyrics these uh, detailed like you said the writer first the musician second I think it's better if you have really strong lyricism sometimes to have easier to latch on to melodies 
even though I love a good like complex long-winded melody sure. like you know um, it's not like I know Animal Collective tends to do like really long kind of passages vocal passages but they're like saying uh, you know open up your throat for like a minute <laughs> uh. whereas this is like you know the flip the script where it's like you get like that four bar melody but those words are going you know doing the changing and i think that works really well here the rhymes are really tight throughout this whole record like mm-hmm. I, I didn't notice any <laughs> clunkers <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want to do Harlem or what? Yes, I was going to say, speaking of lyrics, this has one of my favorite ones on the whole album. I'm curious to hear what it is. Uh, I think the loneliest people in the whole wide world are the ones you're never going to see again. I want you to note at the top of my notes. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> right the there. It's so good. Oh, man. It's also so sad. <laughs> this is also... It is not quite as extreme as the transition between the first and second track, but we still get that same kind of upbeat to falling off the cliff yeah. for this one. This one's still, you know, it's a, you know, not a slow tempo by any by any means, no. but this is describing um, the last night in the life of Frankie Lyman, um, right before he, you guessed it, died of a heroin overdose. So... Yeah, once once again, we're getting to see. And I should mention, there is also... The Mountain Goats have an earlier album that is pretty much entirely about um, JD and both he and his friends' um, past struggles with drug addiction. He is very much, like, totally clean now and has been for decades, but... Good uh, for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um when I say clean, like, he's also, like, vegan. He's clean from like, everything. he's, like, clean. <laughs> um, uh, but that, that previous album is We Shall All Be Healed. Um, mm, okay. So we're, we're also still getting some tastes of that in here. I, another lyric I'm drawn to in this one is, Every dream's a good dream, even awful dreams are good dreams. Like... If you're doing it right. Right, if you're doing it right. <laughs> really cool. Even though it's, like, some of these lyrics, like, go over my head i'll be real (laughs) but like that one as someone who has like a lot of nightmares i I still am very drawn to that one i don't know it's just really neat and i also want to say for such a biting album there's a lot of like edge to a lot of these words and a lot of these um themes it really doesn't rely too much on like fuzz or electric guitar distortion or anything like i think the first time that appears is like almost halfway through the record yes and i have thoughts about it when we get there oh perfect (laughs) (laughs) that's how i know i'm dealing with a professional only the best of the best for turntables (laughs) listen (laughs) (laughs) the swoop the hair swoop We'll add the hair swoop in post, like a little yeah, sound well, effect. Well, <laughs> which, <laughs> like is, a, which is especially funny because of the three of us, I have, you have the, the shortest hair. <laughs> yeah, I have by far the longest at the moment. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Har- 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 Harlem Roulette? I'm keeping that in. <laughs> Hardy har har. Yeah. I, I think it's a solid number with really solid lyrics and really solid hooks which i'll be saying a lot on, <laughs> on this record the 
Uh, you, you were talking some of your lyrical highlights. I liked the um, armies massing in the dusky distance, ghosted in the ribbon microphone, leave a little mark on something, maybe take the secret circuit home. Because this is, this is like a very lonely song. There's multiple stanzas about like being in a car alone at night in different locations. Mm-hmm. And that's a very good vibe. And the, the, the music that the John and the gang chose to portray it, it fits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It fits really well. <laughs> All right, the so, White Cedar comes next. Yeah, before I came in um, for us to start this recording, uh, a certain someone had White Cedar still playing. That's right. And, uh, tell me how you feel about this track. The trumpet is so good. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> that little, Those little, like, long tones and that, that little quarter stru- chordal structure underneath it, that, that, that like, little backbone for, like, the, the, kind of like a springboard for the rest of the song to be built around it. It's 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 on the slower side, very contemplative, very chordal. Yeah, we we break the pattern of hype bleak, hype bleak before we get tired of it uh-huh. with extra bleak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that's actually extra bleak. Um, so there was this like very ubiquitous tweet a couple of years ago that said something like. Uh, the covert a- uh, way to ask somebody if they are a transgender woman, like friend of Dorothy, is to ask if they are a friend of John Darnielle. Um, oh. and, and JD was very much in favor and flattered and honored by that. And this track is is one that probably more than any other in the whole discography gets cited as a sort of trans anthem, even though it wasn't oh. necessarily written with that in mind. Yeah. Um, but this idea of uh, you can't tell me what my spirit tells me isn't true, can you? Um, and mm-hmm. rebirth and transformation, um, ag- again, would work for a lot of different populations, but it is something that uh, queer people on the internet, such as myself, have really launched onto and and appreciate. Yeah, I, I, I totally see it looking at these lyrics now. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, this feels like a huge turning point for the record. Um, yeah. And hearing that as like a relating to being trans, like that totally, like Kevin said, locks in with these lyrics. And I feel like it does kind of paint the second half of the record in a way, maybe not specifically about transgenderism, but... Right, because as, as far as, as anything that has been shared, like no one in the band is transgender uh, mm-hmm. as much as they have shared with anyone. But um, we, are, we are working on the assumption that the, the band is all cis men. Nevertheless, yeah, like like some kind of transformation through grief, because that changes you, um, and I think that it's reflected in the next half of the album thematically because we these kind of triumphant things turn more into just rebellion for rebellion's sake in a specific track that I'll <laughs> bring up later. But it, it manifests in different ways after this, and I think that's kind of interesting that this is so much about like. When I got the word, I would be made a new creature, uh, or I saw the light of my spirit descend the other day. Like that feels like a reset, lyrically to me. And I would have to agree that maybe not so much um, Lakeside View, but the other early tracks are a little bit more. Or let me let me turn it around the other way. Starting about here, we get into a style of lyricism that. I associate more more as more being JD at his finest. I think that's even more true of the next track for me that they are that it's oh, I can save it until we're 
truly there. But um, <laughs> or use it as a transition point. Or, or use it as a transition point. <laughs> um, until I am whole, this very quiet, subdued music, but paired with some, some stuff that's a little disturbing or gross, like mm-hmm. get some decay at the beginning. Leave, uh, leave it there in a bucket until it starts to sink, starts to stink. Um, very mountain goats to me of, okay. of something that's disturbing lyrically, but the music is very not disturbing at all. Mm-hmm. Until I am whole, always. It's funny. That's the one you said is like really mountain goats to me. To you, that one. I hear a lot of Smashing Pumpkins influence uh-huh. in that one for whatever reason. Um, there's just like a. And, and I'm referring to more of their like uh, slower and uh, I can see this on the second half of Melancholy. That, that's that's what I was saying, like list. like by Stumbling or something like that. Um, that's just my own little reference point because I know them better. <laughs> but it's a highlight for me as well. There's an interesting processing on the vocal of this one, and I don't remember exactly what it is, but it reminds me of like really good vintage stuff Hmm. not like super vintage like early 90s vintage you know which might be dating me or some of our (laughs) listeners but (laughs) and like that i think i'll stay that yeah um, yeah i think i know what you're talking about it's a nice little ballad i i'm i'm always happy to hear this one on the on the track list i think it's a good companion piece to white cedar i'm glad that they're Mm -hmm. companion tracks i also think i mean in i think a good little pocket is those two and then the upcoming track nightlight which we don't really. need to get into right away if we have more to say but i mean how could i walk away from a segue like that? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like this feels like where the new identity starts you know kind of following again my my interpretation at least um because this is like okay monsters out there you can't see me (laughs) if i put on a blanket then surely whatever is hunting me will turn away it 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 feels desperate but still confident it's like the first bit of confidence we get in like a few tracks but still desperate yeah yeah, absolutely absolutely (laughs) so when i first started listening to this band when i was in high school i I have no memory of hearing this song then, but I am almost certain that if I did, I would have skipped it. Um, I was always okay with these like aforementioned violent, macabre, disturbing lyrics, but any sounds that could even potentially be construed as harsh. I mean, I think if you had introduced 16-year-old me to an Anko record, I would have just, like, melted into a <laughs> Same for me, honestly. <laughs> um, so, the, you know, the start of this with a little bit of, of harshness at, with the guitar, I don't even know if that harsh is even the right word, but just not, you know, contrasting to some of the other sounds mm-hmm. we've heard in the album, that, that would have been really anxiety-inducing for me. But it doesn't bother me now yeah. uh, now that i am older and wiser and <laughs> one thing that i actually really love about this band is that the vast majority of the time it's not that i really dislike anything it's that just sometimes it's not the right time for mm-hmm. me that is very true of this album as a whole i wasn't ready for it 
the year it came out slash the year I started listening to them. Mm -hmm. But I was ready for it when I was, you know, a wee bit older. That's one of the most rewarding things about this group to me is that I I can have that process sometimes. Some things Mm -hmm. I like immediately, um, as you would expect. And but rarely is there something that I don't eventually find it or eventually it finds me. Again, it's still desperate. I think we yeah. should we should we should emphasize that the album has not turned into a happy one. Um, but it's at least an attempt to reclaim some kind of power. And I think adding the electric guitar at this track during that, especially after those two like kind of transformative songs feels really feels intentional it feels well placed to me one other thing i should add about this song um not necessarily tagging on that uh but we meet jenny in this song so there is a few there are a few characters throughout the repertoire that pop up every now and again Mm -hmm. um and jenny is one of them um she is meant to be elusive kind of not necessarily girl who got away but like girl who can't be reached Okay. The vast majority of the time when she shows up in a song, she's on the phone, which is true in this song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jenny because she's, yeah she, the, the, the only, I think the only song where she's actually present in person is the song Jenny on All Hail West Texas. I believe this song um, is her only appearance in the hi-fi era. So... Mm first like 11 years or so of the band everything was recorded on on cassette um diy style um it's it's right around 2002 2003 that they started recording albums in studio so jenny is a character who hadn't been sung about in like a decade yeah i i think all, all hail west texas is her last appearance before this album that comes a decade later Wow. Um, so yeah, he JD can play the long game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see I'm that. Wait, I'm just waiting for another song about the Alpha Couple from Tallahassee. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. I'm so glad we have you on this podcast because we're missing so much without you. <laughs> There's so much lore to the Mountain There's Goats. There's <laughs> so much lore. <laughs> yeah, this, this will be my impetus to do a full discog dive on them over the course of the rest of the year. <laughs> the rest of my life. The rest of my life. <laughs> I like bands that have recurring characters. I know St. Vincent has like several songs about Johnny on a few, like mm-hmm. from like her whole 2010s up. I think he shows up three times. Or like if you're going to like Frank Zappa has Billy the Mountain in like five songs. <laughs> the Beatles have the Walrus. If you're in- oh yeah, because he that. he shows up in Glass Onion too, <laughs> as quote unquote Paul. I think we got to move to the next track before it's too before late. Before it's too late. <laughs> Diaz Brothers. Mercy. Um, who could forget? <laughs> who could forget? This man, John Darnielle. He loves to take a very minor moment from media and and turn it into a whole song. Um, probably my my fa- like my favorite or the most obvious example is that he has a, a song that just appears on an EP um, called Thank You Mario, But Our Princess Is In Another Castle. Um, nice. <laughs> so you're taking that single moment of a video game. In this case, we are taking two very minor characters from the movie Scarface. Um, he's also talked about, he wrote this song shortly after, I think his first child was born, and he was sitting at home, you know, under a sleeping baby a lot, and watching Scarface on repeat. Um, and so that's kind of where this song comes hmm. from. 
two minor characters that get killed off very quickly. I, I can't say I'm a Scarface expert, but that's not why you brought me on this podcast. That's right. So for me, with 11 more years of perspective since this song was released and seeing what the band has done since then, this song in particular really feels like a precursor of what is to come for the Mountain Goats. Mm, okay. Um, in, in sort of intangible ways, it sounds more like their recent stuff. Um, their sound, again, since adding, post this album, adding a fourth member, Matt Douglas, who is primarily on winds, but he also plays keys and guitars. He's He does everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sound has, you know, really transformed what the band does. I think um, musically they have sort of transformed a little bit into something, I don't know, just a little bit more not dad rocky. Like, not that's not quite where they are. I don't know, I'm running out of words to describe. In any case, for, for me, this feels like what's... Sometimes I even mistakenly think that this song is on Beat the Champ, which comes three years later. Oh, okay. It is not. It is on this album. <laughs> yeah. It does feel different. It feels it feels bigger than the rest of it. Not to say that this is what the Mountain Goats sound like now, um, but this descriptor I think fits the song specifically where it feels it's anthemic and almost like a political uh, campaign slogan melody. Um, and that's not a that's not a a dig. Um, it it just feels very like persuasive and convincing yeah. and convicted. Mercy for the Diaz the lyrics help too with that kind of feel (laughs) this is the one that gets stuck in my head the most after Mm -hmm. listening to the whole record that that refrain is just like yep that's in there that's not going away anytime soon (laughs) that's a really good refrain so i'm not i'm not complaining there's also a customary line that that sometimes gets added um in 2020 2021 um the band and they did one more recently uh, the band did a couple of these Jordan Lake sessions. Um, oh, yeah. So these were basically this was you know touring was out of the question for some for, for some mysterious reason. <laughs> for a few years there, uh, crazy. So um, they it was kind of like a live album, you know, like a like a a live concert except with no audience and in the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get the same kind of feel of it's more or less there are a couple songs they do a couple takes but mostly it's just one take and it's not going down an album it's it's concert style so they pick a lot and obviously if you've released 20 records you have lots to choose from (laughs) quite the back um and when they did this song in jordan lake which is actually where it really where i first noticed it and then later took a listen to it on the record itself um there is uh, a fun line that gets added and shouted. So the the lines that exist in the song are, lead us to the beach by our hands and bury us there in the sand. And then you shout, bury us head first. <laughs> and I, even when I listen to the album version, I still add it. That's very like Rocky Horror, interactive kind yeah. of community building stuff that I love to hear in music and I think should happen more. The uh, Alabama band Pain also used to have that kind of uh, call and response during their song Easy Out when they would, I'm trying to think of what part of the line, It's there's like a line where it's like, it's not that I'm weak or don't like outside. 
And like, it's not that I'm weak. And the audience would go, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, or don't like outside. And they'd be like, F outside. Like, <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. And so to hear that that kind of fits in this world as well. Is that that recording is like on? Yeah, it okay. is on one of the Jordan lakes. There, there are five volumes. Jordan yeah. lakes. Okay, I'll um, do some digging and find that because that sounds really fun. It's definitely not on the last one because the last one they did even it they did their last Jordan Lake, Jordan Lake Five, right before going on tour again for the first time post pandemic. Oh, nice. Um, basically, and it was in celebration of their most recent album, Bleed Out. It's not. I know it's not. On the, I want to say it's on JL three, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. No. I'll, I'll do some digging, but that's that's good to know. I love that kind of stuff. Counterfeit Florida plates. Say that sometimes fast. Well, I know someone who's said it at least a several uh, several times fast <laughs> in a song. Stitch, I want to see if you agree with me or or not on this. I feel like some of the lyrics in Counterfeit Florida plates feel a bit like early young Steve. I can envision mm. John, our friend John, um, not John Darnielle, our, our friend John McFadden. Our actual friend <laughs> in real life. <laughs> I can imagine him writing a song about stealing sunscreen from a CVS. I can't imagine him stealing sunscreen from a CVS, <laughs> but I can imagine him writing a song about it. I'm looking at the lyrical highlights I have, like Calculate Magnetic North and then Go the Other Way. That does feel kind of like a Johnny B lyric. Um, <laughs> we got JD and JB. JD, and... JB, HJLMNOP. I, I could see that. I, I actually, in early Young Steve, and I don't want to talk about my own band too much on a podcast about someone else's album. To be fair, I brought it up. You did bring it up. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to, to keep going a bit. Um, but at one of our first few shows... A few uh, professors came to see us. I believe I know about this. <laughs> yeah, and they compared us to mountain goats, and I don't. Know. I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> I just knew that they were there because they kept the stickers, the young Steve stickers, in their office. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think I heard some of the lore, but I did not know that they compared you all to the mountain goats. That's that's how so, it is. Well, yes, yeah. uh, yes, it is, <laughs> and it fits with your comment that. Even it, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> I've reached my word quota about my own band. <laughs> it's a strict 150 characters or fewer. Right. I have to pay Elon Musk 10 more dollars if I want to be able to oh, talk more God. about it. Insulin is free now. <laughs> that one is. Is there an equivalent to Zuckbucks for <laughs> Muskbucks? Doesn't work as well. But this song's like way better than anything Elon Musk has ever done, am I right? <laughs> I think I can wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I, I've mentioned Rebellion before, but this is like the rebellious track. Like almost every lyric is about like, I'm going to find out this natural thing to do and do something else. It's like reclaiming that first track. Not necessarily for an obvious or explainable reason, but... We're gonna do it. Right, right, exactly. There's that innate desire to, like, just not be part of the system, man. <laughs> and that kind of, like, I guess it was, like, really a big zeitgeist in the 60s, but, like, our generation definitely has a, a big chip of that. And, like, so, even some of, the, like, the, the inner lyrical stuff, like, whistle a tuneless tune. You mentioned the North going the opposite direction. It's she all about... whistled a John Cage song! <laughs> <laughs> 
one of his uh, prepared piano sonatas and interludes, I hope, because those go way we were, harder than they have any right to. We were Tokyo drifting everywhere with counter, counterfeit, counterfeit Florida plates. <laughs> I have to link that in the show notes now. <laughs> How about that memory of Satan, y'all? In memory of Satan. We... Oh, did you have more on... Oh, um, I'm sorry. Did you have more on... <laughs> I had uh, just one little thing. Oh, yeah, go one for it. One little thing. There's like this cool... And again, this is the first time we're hearing it on the record. And so I think it's like really cool that it's in this song that's like, we're going to do it, do things differently. And there's like a clav bass in addition to like a bass guitar or in substitution. I'm blanking on whether or not that's the case. But I know that there's like a clav accord bass thing that happens. Yeah. And I'm like that's new that's interesting that's not what i would have expected but hey that that's the spirit of the song you know okay now we can move on (laughs) (laughs) so i'm really bad at favorites of of anything Mm -hmm. um this at at time of recording this might be my favorite track on the album um so there's this sort of maybe our listeners are more evolved than this but there is a sort of stereotype about what a song with satan in the title is gonna sound like yes um (laughs) but this is not that it is you know barely above a whisper almost as as opposed to being screamed that kind of thing but Mm -hmm. it is still about making a sort of deal with the devil uh if you will about being in a dark place coming to a, a quiet conclusion of what you're gonna have to do to cope with that yeah um a lot of seclusion especially in this in this song even though i didn't know this song at the time for me and this is where we get into the 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 john green i'm gonna tell you a story about yeah go Um, for it this song does feel like 14 to 15 year old me in a sense so i i at that time was going through a rather tumultuous season where mm-hmm. my mother and I moved houses four times in six months, wow. um, including a very brief um, stint of, of no address in particular, if you get my drift. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this one house in particular. We only lived there for six weeks. It was right at the end of my freshman year of high school. Um, I, I do have this this memory, not unlike some of the opening lines of the song, of, of waking up on the floor, cell phone stuck to the side of my face kind of thing mm-hmm. before we had furniture in that place. Um, but even more than that, I remember this, you know, these outcast and, and transient feelings that are evoked in this song of, of wanting to scratch at the floorboards just to prove you were there. Mm, um, yeah. yeah, at 14, I wasn't exactly able to call in favors from old friends uh, as the character in this song does. Nevertheless, definitely, I am I am transported to that time and place when I hear this song. Yeah, I think it's interesting how you framed it as like a deal with the devil to kind of cope with this new weight that you're living with. Because to me, I almost saw it flipped because it's called in memory of Satan. Like the kind of and again i'm I'm going with my narrative that sure. i kind of assigned to this album but like that rebellious the time for rebellion is over like if you want to call that character satan or whatever like time to put my rebellious self to rest and you know do the nine to five spoiler alert for the next uh <laughs> not episode <laughs> song um yeah. and like kind of 
this is like the funeral for those like youthful times almost what's the i have a couple lyrics too that i really dug um one more season then i'm gone feels like measuring time in a very quantifiable way which can be unhealthy um and black drapes over the crosses um reminds me of in the catholic church during lent uh the week before um holy week begins all of the statues and icons are draped over as kind of like a for a period of like very intense reflection and i think that kind of is evoked in the lyrics but as well as the music um this is a highlight for me as well uh it's just really gorgeous <laughs> yeah y'all y'all said a lot of good stuff um I, I relate to the new location not having that much set up like kind of liminal space living like that first weekend that you have the new place and now every, everything's not quite in its right place yet and you're sleeping on the floor or something and they they captured it really well so penultimate track spent gladiator 2 we've already talked about it a little bit in relation to the opening track um i find that placement really interesting um i don't I'm, I'm glad that this track is where it is because I don't think it would work very well as the ending track. Agreed. I don't, I don't think it would work well as beginning and ending with Spent Gladiators. I, th I think it would represent kind of a, a weak transformation. Mm -hmm. And it would, it would be a little saccharine um, if you did it that way. So I'm glad they did it. Yeah. Um, one other thing I have to be kind of honest about with this track. This does not represent the best of what John Worcester, our drummer, can do. I understand how the like incessant metronome of the drums on this track is appropriate, mm -hmm. but also it I find it annoying. <laughs> We're John talking Worcester, theme versus like execution now. Right <laughs> and, and you know, impact on the listener. Listen John Morster is an outstanding drummer, and he's also an outstanding Instagram follow, by the way. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, once you hear the drums on this track, you can't unhear them. So I apologize to all of you listeners at home, but now if you were going to hear this track for the first time, you're only going to be able to focus on the drums. That's on me. I, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, th I think this is kind of one of those representations of how... Um, in the last decade, I think this is what I was looking for earlier. Um, there's a, been a lot more focus on virtuosity instrumentally, um, mm -hmm. in the last decade or so, especially, you know, especially with, I, I've talked a lot about Matt Douglas for him not being on this record, um, <laughs> but Matt, you're real cool. I'm, I'm going to talk to you as if you are absolutely going to listen to this podcast. Hi, real Matt. Cool. How's Hi, it Matt. going? What is up? Our new personal uh, friend. Matty Bone. Um... <laughs> When you when you know later that there's so much virtuosity being focused, and then you listen to a track like this, I don't know. I I don't mean to hate on it. You, it I probably sound like I hate this track. Is it one of my favorites on the album? No. Is it horrible? Also no. But yeah, that, that's kind of where I land on this one. <laughs> gotcha. I I think it's a highlight for me merely because of its relation to the first one, and I think thematically that's very strong. But I think in execution, I. I have made similar observations about this one where it's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I will say JD has a, a, a quote about this song where he's, you know, introed it at a live show that I, I really like. 
This is a song about the last tooth in your mouth. Oh, man. The description's better than the song, but it's a good description. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the song is pretty... It's not bad, though. Like, I, I think right. the lyrics are really... I mean, this is where we get the gladiator lyrics rather than the Amy lyrics, maybe. Yeah. However you want to piece that but apart. But the, the spent gladiator. The gladiator who... Spitting blood at the camera. Yes. <laughs> there are almost a dozen similes in this song. Like, lines starting with, like, a spent gladiator, like, the one who stands behind him, like, the mice in the forgotten grain, like, a fighter who's been told it's finally time, like, the clock that ticks in Dresden when the whole town's been destroyed, it's like, ooh, hello. <laughs> I, I read Slaughterhouse-Five back in the day, and that's that's a very engaging Kurt Vonnegut. read. If, that's if, Kurt Vonnegut, right? Yeah. Okay, good. I, I was about to sound really silly <laughs> if I had confidently said... Good thing you know the editor of this podcast. Yeah. Good thing I know the editor of this podcast. <laughs> I hear he's a real uh, jerk. I, I, <laughs> if, I, if I had been wrong, I would have been like, oh, that's by, instead of Kurt Vonnegut, I would have had like, Mark Twain. Like, <laughs> in like a totally different voice edited over top. <laughs> Hi, I'm Timmy Turner, and I stole from my mom's purse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in addition to all of those dope similes, like, a lot of them are really they're very specific images that yeah. are also very correlated to someone who's at the end of their rope ha having fought for a while mm -hmm. some sort of like post-conflict trauma maybe that might be a strong word for it but eh, just stay alive i mean that's that's a good mantra for any host of negative mental health possibilities that life will throw at you that yeah. That that link between the two spent gladiators of stay alive. Yeah, the the alternative meeting meanings not meetings, um, is what really, I think the fact that they are placed where they are placed, like you said, it wouldn't be rewarding any sooner than right now on the album, really kind of wraps the, the experience up. Neatly. Speaking of wrapping it up neatly. How about that title track? <laughs> uh, it is... So, Mountain Goats play around with uh, where they place a tri title track if they do have one. Mm -hmm. um, but last on the album might be the most common placement. I mean, by most common, I mean, like, maybe four albums or so. Um, I mean, this is not... I did not look it up. So don't, <laughs> you know. So this is not a citation. Um, you can't tell me that you don't smile when you hear the horn section at the beginning of the song. It's, it's just, you know, a cheerful little ditty. I do smile when I hear the horn <laughs> section at the beginning of this one. This is not a sexy song, but it <laughs> is about sex. Um, all of JD's explanations of this song have been awkward, let's say. But essentially, it, this song is about having been mostly in a season of, like, cold, misery, hating your body, mm. recluse. Um, but then just for a day or two, you and another person of your choosing just uh, stay in a bedroom and uh, don't leave. <laughs> and there's this brief break in the gray. And for a brief time, this seems like a really great coping strategy for all your problems. <laughs> Um, so I'm, so I'm actually, I'm really glad that the album doesn't wrap up with some, like, saccharine, optimistic power ballad about how everything's gonna be okay forever mm -hmm. and it's gonna be wholesome. 
there is a glimmer with this. I mean, it is, again, you can't hear those horns and not smile. Um, but it, this, is, this is not about a sustainable or wholesome choice. Um, it's, it's, it's more realistic than that. I feel like it has sort of a curtain call aesthetic to it with that jovial uh, horns. Jovial is a good word for this. Um, but you're right that it's kind of like, we're smiling, but we're just actors. We don't have to live it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah, it's easy for us to sing about this thing because it's not our problem exactly. Obviously I'm kind of getting into the, obviously JD has experience with some things that, you know, to an extent you can't write about stuff you haven't experienced or experienced other people experiencing, you know. Yeah, I I think with, with any music, but with the Mountain Goats in particular, there is a vast spectrum of this song is a hundred thousand percent autobiographical and it's really not at all. Mm. And 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 this one is like center left toward autobiographical. Gotcha, I okay. Say. I would say even this whole album is like center left. I like the line soar ever upwards on air grown black with flies. Like it's it's triumphant but like we're still navigating through like garbage <laughs> like it's but we're navigating tri- and triumphantly navigating but we're gonna through... be covered in grease <laughs> <laughs> what's for dinner tonight puff mama chili <laughs> i had to do it that is an outstanding <laughs> for the listeners playing along at home uh puff mama has been my nickname since college and and you're quite the connoisseur of chili by now i'm sure <laughs> I like that it isn't like, haha, we're doing dirty stuff. It's very like focusing on like right. the you other objects in your, the room. You can you can listen to your song to this song first listen and and not realize. Which I did. I was gonna say yeah. I've done that for four listens now, and <laughs> maybe it's me. Because there's like those like balls to the wall like lust palooza songs, and this is not, not that, that. Even though it right. is overtly about that sort of thing. And I, I like the line about uh, clutch these broken headboards, ride the highest wave, dusky diamonds shining in the far depths of the cave. It's okay, like... when you say that, <laughs> <laughs> see the, the we're all li- learning and exploring together. <laughs> <laughs> the, the lyric that I grabbed onto uh, was "Father long gone, but we bear his mark." I thought that was like in the cynical, continuing on with "Spent Gladiator 2. like somewhere along my like line someone also had to kind of be at the end of their rope and I've inherited that now hmm. um, which I guess still relates to the the story yeah. that it's that it's about maybe not as forefrontedly but I think this is we mentioned like the curtain call vibe for this and I, I, I like closers that kind of feel like encores mm-hmm. um, you might have like a a really bold statement on the penultimate track and then something a little bit more this is the denouement of of this album for mm. sure mm. well we've stepped on all the stones we've touched all the tracks yeah i guess it's time for the the weekly roundup uh otherwise known as final thoughts and scores i could go first if you'd like or unless you'd like to go first no, please. all righty well i really like the mountain goats i um 
this album, diving into it a little bit more, talking about the lyrics with both of you, going through like what makes these songs tick and what makes John such an incredible songwriter and lyricist. And um, of the of the Mountain Goats records I've heard, um, I, I'll give a ringing endorsement to this, Sunset Tree and Tallahassee. All three of them are very good, like different different sides of the Rubik's Cube that is the Mountain Goats, I guess. I, I just threw that out there. It doesn't really... <laughs> I like it. It's an 8 out of 10. Listen to it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's getting late, sorry. This was a fun one to revisit. Uh, like I said, I hadn't really heard it in half a decade or so. Kind of coming back to these, I had revelations about some of the lyrical content especially because, you know, 2016 was kind of a while ago and I'm kind of a different person from then. Uh, as you kind of mentioned, Destiny, that you had a, a growth with these songs and with this album. Uh, I feel like I had that as well. Um, I recalled liking it, but I, I think I like it for different reasons now. Uh, and it, it's been a fun album to get to know that way even talking now with with our resident expert um and as well as uh my lovely co-host kevin um oh. you're too, kevin is lovely you're, you're you too kind y'all you're too kind um last i gave this was a 7.7 .7 out of 10 but i feel like taking this knowledge and this conversation back with me to listen again i think i would enjoy it even further so there you have it seven plus 7.7 7 plus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with an asterisk. Minimum of 7.7. I was like, yeah, you just drew something in the air that they're never going to see. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I do forget that we don't have a video component to these. <laughs> so Peter Hughes, the bassist for the Mountain Goats, um, he has talked about that both when they were creating the album and much later... Um, he thinks of these songs as the new classics for the band. Um, you know, of course, there are a lot of songs, especially from um, from kind of Tallahassee era that played at every show, um, mm -hmm. that and, and Sunset Tree. He views this as being like the, the start of a next generation of the band, okay. if you will. Um, I think that's an excellent summary. I will say also a lot of TMG records, especially 21st century ones, are concept albums. And this this album is themed, but it is mm -hmm. not a concept album to me. Because of that, and because, as I've mentioned before, there are so many kind of callbacks and calls forward, this is a really good album to start with if you have not heard mm. this band. I, I think you can get a, a decent taste of, of the many things they have to offer over their 30 years, 20 plus albums. Um, if you can if you can distill it in one, I think Transcendental Youth is a great place to start. Um, because of that, I have a couple of like, if you like this track especially. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So if you, if you liked Cry for Judas, I think you will like Life of the World to Come. Um, that album, uh, every track, the title of the song is a Bible verse. Um, it is. It is not. It. I mean, it, it is not like capital C Christian, capital R rock. No, it's not like that at all. Um, I know it, what you. Yes. I know what you mean. <laughs> right. um, so. So I know that could be. You know, for 
for some people it would it would be a different expectation going in so just want to make that clear but if you like the little you know a little bit of, of allegory to something biblical um, put in a modern context if you like that and cry for judas you will like that album um if you liked spent gladiator 2 minus the drums um, (laughs) (laughs) songs for pierre juven which comes after again calling forward not just calling back um songs for pierre juven um was released in 2020 as a solo it is it is the only solo Mm -hmm. album it was you know composed and recorded during very early pandemic just jd alone and it is the only lo-fi album that comes after they started doing hi-fi. So it was just, you know, he, he brought out the old boombox, basically. Mm. He was stuck at home. And and some of these callbacks, that, that whole album is referring to a lot of, like, ancient Greek kind of, oh, of okay. mythology and classics. Um, I, I think there are some of those, especially early in Spent Gladiator 2, where you get some of those feelings as well. Um, that al- that. Uh, that album is also a really quick listen. Um, so just if you have just a, a moment of your time, I, I don't even think that album's a half an hour long. Um, mm. And then if you liked the Diaz Brothers, um, two albums for you, both of which again come later. Again, I was saying like that that song feels very forward to me. Um, Beat the Champ again, the the same one that I sometimes think that song is on. Beat the Champ. <laughs> Um, it would fit in really well there, I think. And also their most recent record, um, Bleed Out, I think it would fit. Bleed Out was an opportunity, you know, in some of their late 2010s music, the band kind of got in this this vibe of being uh, just mid-tempo everything and bleed out is not that at all. <laughs> um, there is one mid-tempo track and it is the last track the title track mm, of course, uh, of course it is. <laughs> um but every, everything else is is high energy and violent that that is the one that is about like 70s italian mobster movies um so yeah there are so many just overall like quintessentially mountain goats elements on this album the one thing that gives me pause about it that to me is quintessentially mountain goats that does not really make an appearance on this album is more varied song structure this the the songs on this album are very verse chorus Mm. and on the one hand that can be like very easy to latch latch onto in a positive way um but also overall i find that jd has such a command over form and we don't get to see that exercised in this album um which i really um which i think is a little bit of a shame so that's Mm -hmm. that's one thing you know of quintessential mountain goats that i think is is missing here um all of that said again i'm bad at favorites i i at this at time of recording i would not say that transcendental youth is my favorite um mount, it definitely is in the top half mm-hmm. um, which really means something with their right they got a lot to work with <laughs> um they really just have they really have they have one album i have not warmed up to yet but it's one of the new, newer ones oh, so, so like in the in the grand passage of time i might get there um very long-winded explanation to say that i give transcendental youth an 8.5 8.5 nice nice 
Cool beans. Well, thanks for being on our podcast, thanks Destiny. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Glad to turn some tables with you. Yeah. Yes, Destiny is an actual pro. Like, <laughs> I, I, not at turning tables. Well, no, not. <laughs> we can flip some after this recording if you want, but <laughs> it's our post podcast ritual. <laughs> um, but this has been Turntables with Destiny. Um, I'm Stitch. I'm Kevin. I'm Destiny. Yeah. And this has been Turntables, Transcendental Youth by the Mountain Goats. We'll talk about something else next time as discerned or dictated. As determined by is. the the schedule henceforth. Yeah, Kevin Kevin will say it after you hear the song. Yeah, man. <laughs>